Well, hey there, you're listening to another episode of Theology on the Road. My name is Steve Schramm, I'm your host. I'll be your chauffeur for the next few minutes as well as we discuss some important issues about theology, apologetics, and how we apply them to our practical life. The thing I want to talk about today is a common mistake that's being made more and more uh, at least I think it's a mistake that's being made more and more um, in theological discussions as it concerns uh, understanding how the ancients would have originally read what's been written in the biblical text. And what I'm discussing is a, a notion called accommodation. Now, divine accommodation or theological accommodation or, or just accommodation over the years has been a thoroughly biblically uh, supported concept. Uh, theologians for centuries and centuries have affirmed this concept of accommodation. And what accommodation uh, basically says is that since God... Um, His ways are obviously way higher than our ways. The Bible explicitly states that uh, our thoughts are not God's thoughts. There are certain aspects that God, in order to communicate with us, must in some way accommodate the scriptures. And so I'm just thinking of one example. Anytime we see things in scripture that are obvious anthropomorphisms. So, you know, when we see God walking in the garden in the cool of the day in Genesis, or when we see the arm of the Lord, some of these have uh, additional elements to them. They're not uh, merely elements of accommodation. For example, the arm of the Lord motif has uh, some strong polemical elements to it. But it, it also has this accommodation um, idea going on. So it's not as though we're to think that God has arms. Obviously, we're not, because we understand from other places in the context of Scripture that God is a spirit. God is immaterial. God does not have a material body. So we don't expect that God has an actual arm. Or when we see verses that say things like the eyes of the Lord. Okay, God does not have physical eyes. And yet, of course, God sees everything. Okay, this is accommodation. This is just simply put the best way that finite minds, the finite human mind like ours, could possibly begin to understand and relate concepts Uh, and have some commonality with God in that way as a matter of communication. This is essentially the meaning of divine accommodation. Scholars in recent days, and I have to admit, the scholars that are adopting these views increasingly are considered to be evangelical scholars. But, but, But this idea, pressing this idea further began in the halls of more critical liberal scholarship. The idea now is that 
we want to start using this accommodation idea to explain more than than simply the way that um, God goes on to relate with human beings. Some people want to press it so far as to allow for actual error or um, uh, in the text or for the text to be sort of indirectly but not directly teaching ideas that are erroneous ideas um, in order to accommodate beliefs with those in the past. So let's just say one explanation of this. I'll give you one example. So there are people who would want to say that the Bible does not teach a flat earth, okay? Because the Bible is not intended to teach scientific things. But that there are statements in Scripture that indicate that the writers of Scripture, let's just say Moses, for example, had, um, without a doubt, the belief that the earth was flat, that the earth was, was actually flat. Now, this is a particular example that maybe I shouldn't have even chosen because there are so many layers to this discussion. Okay, but the one that's really that I need to point out here is that I'm not saying, notice, I'm not saying that these people, that these people would claim that the Bible teaches that the earth is flat. They just believe that the Bible is written by people who held these views and that those views crept into the Bible as a consequence of the time period and the cultural background in which the Bible was written. Okay, now I've titled the episode of this podcast, um, Accommodation is Not Equal to Error. Accommodation is Not Equal to Error. And so here's a simple point that I, I, I want to say. I have not yet seen a convincing argument that we can press this accommodation um, idea legitimately to allow for error in the text without causing all kinds of problems. Never mind the fact that um, you have to demonstrate that there is a problem before you can start arguing for why there is a problem. Okay, so uh, for example, one of the issues with the flat earth discussion is this person has to demonstrate that, that it's the case that the writers of scripture believed in a flat earth before just assuming that and then saying, oh, it's a product of their cultural background. You have to actually make that case and demonstrate that. And I think that that particular claim falls flat at that point in time. But never mind that. Let's just assume. Let's just assume that the Bible actually does teach, um, whether directly or indirectly, whether it was the point of the passage or not. Let's move past all of that, all of those semantics, and just get down right down to it. Does the Bible suggest that the Earth is flat? Now there are some again who want to say that it does, but. And it's a result of accommodation. But if this is the case, then that means that this accommodation, um, that we would need to, to 
to rework our understanding of biblical um, inerrancy, of, 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 you know, of biblical authority, of biblical trustworthiness, to allow for the fact that the Bible could use, I'm going to use um, Vern Poitras, I really appreciate the way he put this in one of the papers I wrote, or one of the papers I read that he wrote on this. Um, this idea uses um, erroneous, an erroneous vehicle i.e. the accommodation of error, the accommodation that suggests error. This is an erroneous vehicle to carry legitimate cargo, i.e. the actual message that the text is intended to teach. And and, and the Bible uses that kind of thing. The Bible is is actually using erroneous, um, an erroneous vehicle to carry legitimate cargo. Is that the kind of thing that's going on? The problem is, is that I, I... as I look at the scripture, I can't find anything that would suggest that that would be a legitimate move. I can't find anything that would suggest that any other of the authors or the writers of scripture use that uh, that kind of thinking. Furthermore, it causes pretty problematic statements because you have to apply some of that logic to, uh, say, Jesus, for example. And so you have to be able to legitimately... Uh, admit, for example, some of the people, not everybody, but some people um, who would want to argue along these lines would be comfortable saying that Jesus believed in a literal Adam and Eve, even though there was not a literal Adam and Eve. Well, once you start getting into issues like that, now you've now you've got problems. Now we have to start explaining away why the Son of God was allowed to, to, to teach error. And again, um, what they want to say is that it's a result of the cultural um, accommodation at the time, the text really wasn't meant to teach those things. Um, so this is more of kind of just an informational podcast. I, I, I want you to just think about that, what that could mean. I'm not necessarily going to give arguments here to, to think why we shouldn't take things that way, other than for what it would mean in revising our doctrine and our understanding of the doctrine of inspiration, of the authority of the scriptures, um, of the inerrancy of the scriptures. I mean, these are things that have real-life implications uh, for the way that we think about what things scripture actually deals with in our lives and the way it relates. Um, you know, I mean, I'm thinking specifically of one instance where, where, where Jesus is telling people, look, how on earth are you going to believe spiritual things that I teach you if you don't even believe of earthly things that I teach you. And I see an argument like this, and then I see people come along who want to say, oh, Jesus got the earthly things wrong, but the spiritual things right. But see, that would seem to contradict the very understanding that Jesus had about his mission and about what his communication with people was intended to accomplish. So, um, that is the kind of thing that's that's going on in some of these circles. Now, there's more uh, going on here than just like the flat earth issue. Uh, I don't want to get too caught up in that. There are other things that could be um, used to to talk about this. For example, Greg, Bo- uh, Greg Boyd's uh, idea of the uh, so-called uh, cruciform, uh, I think is what he calls it, the cruciform um, interpretation uh, of scripture, whereby the, for example, the atrocities, quote unquote, that take place in the Old Testament are actually kind of part of that accommodation idea where 
it was just common language for uh, these ancient cultures to speak in those terms, and God allowed himself to be portrayed as a, uh, as a cruel and vicious monster in these Old Testament uh, passages as a result of this cultural accommodation. So, in that regard, the Bible, if you were to take the statements literally, would be teaching literally false things about God. But on this view, it's okay because it was part of that cultural accommodation. We have the actual revelation of the nature of God in the person of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Now, the problem is, is this also falls subject, as most things in this camp do, to this idea that you have to demonstrate that there is a problem that violates the consistency and everything else in the rest of scripture before you start asserting on the nature of that problem or arguing for why uh, why this problem exists. You have to you have to be able to demonstrate that there is a problem first. And I think when you take the whole of scripture, you take the redemptive story, you take um, a, a more comprehensive view of the literal statements of Jesus and other New Testament writers regarding the things that happened in the Old Testament, and I think what you can show is that there's not actually a problem there of a cruel and vicious and atrocious God. There's not actually a problem of that kind of God in the Old Testament to explain. And so therefore, when you start asserting and arguing for things um, about why that kind of God erroneously exists in the mind of Old Testament writers, you're faced with this insurmountable fact that there really doesn't seem to be an issue there at all. And in fact, if you say there's an issue, then you create serious tension with later writers of Scripture. So almost all of the things... um, and again, I'm hesitant to, to try to keep naming off examples off the top of my head. I think I've given you two pretty popular examples in this day, okay? Um, I think that what you'll find is when you look at more examples of this where it's claimed that things in the Old Testament either sound bad or sound wrong or are wrong or whatever because of this idea that accommodation can allow for error to be used in, in, in the vehicle of the language in the text. When you start to see that, one of the first questions I think you should ask yourself is, is there a problem to explain here? Is there something actually, a a real tension or a real problem or a real erroneous thing that is going on that is being taught in the Old Testament or wherever in Scripture that is causing somebody to kind of place this, um, this shroud of accommodation over it? And I think most of the time, those objections are going to just be wiped out by the fact that no, no real issue can be demonstrated in the first place. Um, now, of course, there are difficulties. I mean, there are things to discuss. If I was in discussion right now with somebody else about that, there would be rejoinders flying back my way, and it would be my responsibility to answer for my view here. So I'm not saying that there's not a discussion to be had around this. But what I'm calling for is a return, really, to this, this, this pure idea of accommodation that sat just fine with a traditional doctrine of the inspiration and inerrancy of the scriptures, whereby accommodation simply uses things like anthropomorphisms and um, um, phenomenological language to describe things in scripture that would be perfectly reasonable because they're the way that we even describe things today. We use phenomenological language today. We use anthropomorphism today. We use hyperbole today. We use all kinds of figures of speech um, uh, today, and there's plenty of evidence that these kinds of figures of speech were in use during the time when the Bible was being written 
as well. Okay, so we see that and we have every reason to think that those kind of things were in play and those kind of things fit well with a traditional doctrine of accommodation and inerrancy and inspiration and um, traditional interpretation of the scriptures. So I would simply call you back to that original definition. Hey, I hope you have a happy and wonderful Thanksgiving with your family. I'm super excited about what the Lord's doing in these days um, with the ministry and with our side business that we have as well. Things are just really, really going well. And um, I'm thankful to you for for listening and for uh, constantly um, being willing to to show up whenever new episodes are put out and new blog posts are written. I do have a couple new blog posts on the site. If you want to, you can go check those out, stevesram.com. And uh, we also have a new book, again, that's been out for a little while now, God, the Great Commission, and you. You can pick that one up for just $3.99. It's an ebook only, Kindle only. So go grab that. Uh, you can go to stevesram.com slash books to see what else is available there. If you have any questions uh, about what we have discussed on this podcast episode, please feel free just to go to uh, stevesram.com slash ask stevesram.com slash ask this will be in the show notes as well where you can just click on it if you want to you can leave a voice message for me asking your questions or leaving your thoughts challenging my view here whatever it is that you would like to do i'd love to have the opportunity to respond on a future episode thank you so much god bless you i love you happy thanksgiving have a great weekend we'll see you soon bye-bye